0: This morning, our message will be given by a friend of our church, Pastor Ed Rosella. I think the last time he was up here was about a year ago. He was headed to Romania to assist Ukrainian refugees who were arriving by the hundreds and even thousands at the Romanian border. And uh, this morning, actually today, he's on his way back to Romania for a somewhat different mission, and we're always pleased to have him with us, Uh, and I'll turn the platform over to Pastor Adrezella. Thank you, Kent. And those songs are perfect. Oh, you won't come closer to me, so I'll come closer to you. (laughs) We have our ways. Um, I'll explain my shirt first. Uh, It's not my normal. I usually look like Kent. (laughs) But um, so this has special meaning for me. When, uh, so in Ukraine, uh, well this happened in Romania, so one day I was out, maybe last summer, sitting in a restaurant with a pastor and we were having lunch and a Ukrainian girl messaged me and she said, I see you're taking other people back to Ukraine, could you please take me home? So uh, I said to the pastor, okay, how are we going to do this? And he said, well, we'll make a way, so I answered her, yes, we'll take you home. And then uh, we organized the trip and I met with, it was her, she's a mom, her seven-year-old son, and then the grandmom, so the three of them were going on this trip back to Ukraine. And I I said to her, uh, um, or she told me we met the night before and she said that her son, her seven-year-old son had been praying diligently that he would see his father again hadn't seen him for such a long time. So we went on the trip, long journey over the mountains. Finally we get to the Ukrainian border and it's an amazing experience when you bring someone back into their country that they didn't know would even exist anymore. It's a a lot of emotion involved at that border. And we passed through the Romanian checkpoint, we passed through the Ukrainian checkpoint and this seven-year-old boy, he started singing the Ukrainian national anthem His grandmom and his mom sang with him. And I'm in the front of the van, you know, with these emotions going on behind me, my friends with me, we're we're crying because they're crying. And and then I knew what would happen next would be really tearful. We, We arranged to meet the husband and the father at a hotel about half hour away. So I pull up with the van. The door flies open and this seven-year-old son, now I'm not gonna miss this moment. I'm out out of the van and I wanna see what's gonna happen next. The seven-year-old son, I don't think he touched the ground, he flew into his father's arms. And then the wife followed suit and the three of them hugged and cried and it's an amazing moment and it's our privilege when we bring families back to Ukraine to see families reunited. And then the next morning, we stayed that night at the hotel and um, very kind people they are. The husband was very grateful. So the next morning he said, I have a gift for you and he gave me this shirt. So it's a Ukrainian traditional shirt that they wear during festivities. Uh, so for me, it's the first time I'm wearing it here. I kind of feel funny. I'm used to like Kent wearing it, but um, for I don't think about this. I think about them when I, when I wear this, now that I have it so a year ago you all know the war Russia invaded Ukraine millions of Ukrainians poured across borders of Romania Hungary Poland so my question to you is think about this In, in normal life when when someone loses a job, or someone needs food, or someone has a need in the community, there are, there's an infrastructure set up to care for people. They're, they know where they can go. There's, they can go to the church, they can go to a soup kitchen, they can go to a, a food pantry. The government has programs set up where they can help people. Unemployment, all of these things. But what happens, what, what infrastructure, th- what infrastructure is set up when you have two million people women and children crossing your border in the middle of February without anything? What infrastructure in society is there that can handle that? There's nothing that, there's no budget for this? There's nothing that's pre-arranged to handle something like this? I mean, let your mind think about that. What would would we do if Canada somehow sent 17 million people across the border into the US? What does a country do? And yet, what I've come to learn over this last year is there is an infrastructure set up in every community, on every street. I'm speaking about Romania, but you could say the same for Poland and Hungary, and it's called local churches. They're there. People, Christians, they have facilities, they have buildings, they have homes. So when when they came by the tens of thousands into Romania. It was the churches mostly that stood up and responded and opened their homes and opened their churches and, and, and took food out of their pantries. Romanians were running to the, the trains and giving Ukrainians food at the trains in the windows. They, people responded to help and it was mostly the churches that did this. So there's a verse in Leviticus I want to share with you because God gave us instructions long ago what we are to do. In the Old Testament it says when a stranger resides with you in your land you shall not wrong him. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as your citizens and you shall love him As yourself and don't forget don't forget how it feels because you were strangers in the land of Egypt God gave us instructions how to respond in an overwhelming situation like that he's saying remember that you once were in their shoes you once were in need and respond in kindness to them. Don't treat them as a foreigner, don't treat them as uh, whatever, a refugee even. I don't even like calling them refugees, I call them friends now. I I call them the Ukrainian families. They're people, like you and me. Many of the people that we've cared for are accountants. Um, One girl was a judge, IT professionals, these are normal people that uh, have found themselves in this horrific situation. So God gave us the instruction on how to care for them and the churches in Romania and in Ukraine have led the way in caring for millions of people. One Ukrainian pastor, uh, when refugees started streaming across his town, because he didn't, he didn't live by the front lines where Russia invaded, he lived further south he realized they're coming and they're walking, he, he, he got up in front of his church and he said this, he said, it's time to live what we've preached. And then he moved into his church with his family and with others 24 seven, they fed and cared for people and still are. They, if you visit their church today, they have mattresses set up. People will sleep on anywhere. A Romanian pastor got up in front of his church and he said this God has prepared us for this moment we are ready and they began to take in quite a number of Ukrainians families you won't see refugee camps in Eastern Europe you don't you don't see tents most of the refugees are cared for in homes. We've had people come to us and say, I have an apartment I'm not using, please use it for a family. I have a house, it's my grandma's house, please use it for a family. We have room in our home, please we could take a family. By the tens of thousands, this has happened in the country of Romania. Open their homes, and what did Jesus say? I was a stranger and you what? Invited me in. And it's, it was an, it's amazing for me to see, I'm glad in my life I was able to witness such a thing that how relevant the, you, the churches can be in a time of crisis, not only the Ukrainian church and the Romanian church, but I will also say the American church because you also responded, and I thank you for the money that you've sent that we were able to put in the hands of these men, these pastors, that they could feed people, care for people, transport people, so you also responded. See, it's a network of Christianity that responds to need, and, and, and it, it did not go unnoticed by the U.S. government because early on, maybe the first two weeks, uh, a man from USAID was sent to Romania. Our, our part, my partner met him, took care of him, set him up, stayed with us for a little while, and he published um, a report that he sent back to the US government, and he said this, of what he's seeing and uh, about care for the Ukrainians in Romania, he said, it is notable that the most effective grassroots responses to refugee crisis have been led by the evangelical communities across Ukraine and Eastern Europe. In Ukraine, churches have been providing desperately needed social services in their community for many years. So in a time of crisis, it was natural that members of their local communities, regardless of professed faith, would look to their churches to help in evacuations. Ukrainian churches naturally then reached out to their brother and sister congregations in Eastern Europe for help in receiving refugees from their communities as they crossed the Ukrainian border. Thus, an informal, organic refugee support system, open to all, has been created in real time by the evangelical communities across Europe. The church became relevant and still is today. And it's exciting. I leave tomorrow to go back over there. I can't wait to join them again. What was also interesting that he pointed out, and uh, I've witnessed myself, I you know, Okay, we can kind of understand that, the church doing what Jesus told us to do. But what was also fascinating to witness was how people trusted the churches. Why did they run to the church? Because they knew good people would be there. They knew kind people would be there. Even if they'd never been to church in their life, they knew there would be kind people. One girl, Ukrainian girl, she wrote to a Romanian girl after we had taken her back home and and, and she wrote and said to say thank you, and she said, "I believe God listened to my prayers and sent you on my path with help and support. These Ukrainian moms caring for their babies they 're very brave by the way, crossing an international border in, in, into an unknown land, a foreign language they 're praying. so she said, "God listened to my prayer and sent you to help me you know when when we when we, um, when we look at the history of the world, and we a lot of history books are written, you know the history is a lot about, you know, this country invaded this country, and this country was at war, and they took back this land, and they put back that land. When you read the Bible, it's stories about people. It's stories about individuals. One at a time, how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well, the leper, the blind man, his own disciples. It's, it's, not, a, a, it's not a, we're not looking at this from 30,000 feet. We're, the, God looks at individuals. Individuals are who's important to him in Ukraine and Romania right now. I, we were, one day we, were, we picked up this mom. She flew back in from England with her son. She got in at three in the morning and we were, my friend and I were to take her to Ukraine Um, a young boy, he's actually a son of friends. He was coming with me. We pick her up at the airport, her and her son, and he said something very profound to me that I'll never forget. He said, Ed, we can't save the world today, but we can help this mom and her son. And that stuck with me because that's also the wife of somebody or the daughter of somebody that we're gonna bring home to them. So when the war started, there was a Ukrainian family in Kiev that fled, uh, a mom, a husband, wife, and two children. They fled to a village because they thought, well, the Russians are invading the city. We're gonna go to a village where we'd be safe, but unfortunately, they weren't. The Russians were on one side of the village, the Ukrainians were on the other side of the village, and that village became a battlefield. This family that fled to this village, they hid in a basement for eight days while rockets flew over their heads. They were so traumatized by this experience uh, that when the boy could not talk for a whole month, they, so after the, the Ukrainians pushed the Russians out, the, this family fled To Romania, the husband was not allowed to leave. He said goodbye to his wife and his son, who's now not talking. And he sent them into an unknown country, Romania. Well, he handed them over to a church that was on the border. Our church over there was bringing relief aid into into Ukraine at the time. So they picked up this family and brought them into Romania. And they brought them to our town and handed them over to another church that was in town that would care for this family. Uh, A good friend of mine actually took them into his own home. This boy was traumatized. Imagine the mother, her son's seven years old and her her son, who was normal a few uh, days ago, now refuses to talk and she was traumatized, her son's traumatized, and yet what happened next? For the next several months, this church came around them with kindness, compassion. They provided for every one of their needs, food, clothes, everything they needed, they provided for. They became a part of this church. After one, the children played with the, with the son. The other, the Romanian, so they didn't speak each other's language, you know, but children have a way. It's amazing how they can play for hours. They don't even know what they're saying <laughs> to each other. They have their own language. But the children came around, this seven-year-old boy. After one month, he started talking again. And if you saw a picture of him today, you, if you saw him today, you would think nothing happened to him. See, God has a way of healing through kindness, through his people. I was in, uh, I was in Kiev, and I met his, or the husband. I met the father. And we were I was together with him for a few days and he, he made a comment to me one day. I, I didn't say anything about church, God, nothing. And he said to me, I'm an atheist. I said, okay, you go to make that comment. I mean, your wife and children are be I didn't say this, but your wife and children are being cared for by God is working in his heart. That's why he'd make that comment. It's about people. Yeah, we hear about well, I don't know, millions of Ukrainian refugees, but it's about people. It's one at a time. So my partner, my Romanian partner, he, um, this young girl, probably in her 20s, um, not a mother, not married, she fled from the war. She got, came over to Romania. Um, my partner set her up in an apartment with two other teenagers, actually two teenagers that fled the war. So the three of them lived together for a number of months. She she works for the courts in Ukraine. She works, f- she's uh, some type of assistant to a judge. But she fled, she's now. So my partner gave her a job. He said, you can come to my house um, and clean, help my wife clean. And he gave her uh, quite a bit of money each week that she'd feel good about herself. She'd have money. See, people that are in situations like this, you want to be careful to try to lift them up and help protect their dignity. Yeah, You can work and make money and I'll give you money. And so for a number of months, uh, she was in his home, got to know the whole family. He got to know her, they got, the wife got to know her. And then it was time for her to go back. She said, I, want, I need to go back home, I want to go back home. So I went with my partner, uh, him and I, and took her to, um, to the Romanian border where someone else was going to meet us. So we, we pull up at the Romanian border, my partner's a, a well-known politician over there, so he knows everybody. So he called the mayor of that town, the border town, he said, let's meet, let's have you know, lunch together. So we had lunch together. Um, the owner of the hotel, the restaurant, he was there. We were all together with this girl and then it came the moment where the two of them were going to say goodbye to each other. Now he had cared, f- so uh, I forgot to tell you something, in, in the car on the way to the border, my friend said to her in the back, he said, oh yeah, we're friends. And she said, no, we are not friends, you're my father. That's what she felt from him. So we're at this restaurant outside in the parking lot and they're about to say goodbye to each other. I still remember it. She looks at him like this is the guy who saved my life. So he starts crying. They didn't even say anything to each other yet. She just looks at him. So he starts crying, she's crying, the mayor starts crying, the guy who owned the restaurant starts crying, and then he says, I don't even know these people, why am I crying? (laughs) It was an emotional farewell. She was saying goodbye to her father. She'll never forget the kindness of those Christians who took her into their home. She'll always remember God, and God will bring these things back. It's the power of kindness, of what God can do. We were were at the After so that uh, the family I told you about when we we brought them to the hotel in Ukraine, we were coming back to Romania. And we're at the border and there's this long line uh, at the Ukrainian border, this long line to get into Romania. We're waiting in line and, and some people with their cars start cutting in line and that's really annoying. Oh my gosh, that is so annoying. They're cutting. I see the guy behind me in my rearview mirror. He's angry. He's a Ukrainian man. He had, posi- he had permission to leave the country because of a heart problem. And I see him. He's, he's out stopping cars like a police officer. He goes around. <laughs> he's angry. So the guy I was traveling with, he, he, he got out and started helping him. <laughs> so the two of them couldn't even speak to each other. One spoke Russian, one spoke you know, English. Um, so, But they're with Google Translate formulating a plan. Okay, if we could take one car and block it 90 degrees, then we could stop cars from coming this. I am laughing my head off watching these two people police the roads at this border. So anyway, we got, we got to know this guy a little bit and his wife, he's an IT professional, his wife's a veterinarian and they had a four-year-old son and they're leaving and so I asked, I told my friend, I said, ask him where he's going tonight. He said, he asked him, he said, oh, we're going to the Czech Republic. The Czech Republic, it's three in the afternoon. I said, well, where are you sleeping? He said, well, I don't know, we're gonna drive and then sleep in our van. And no, you no, no, no. said, where we stay, you stay tonight. You're staying with us, what hotel we stay at, you're staying at, and we're paying for it. No, 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 you don't have a choice, you are staying with us tonight. And they came, they stayed with us. Um, the next morning we we met, Well, we had separate rooms. The next morning we met for breakfast. And they had stayed in a shelter for two months. Uh, The four-year-old boy at breakfast made this comment. He said, that was through Google Translate, that's how we're talking. He said, that was the best sleep I had in two months in that hotel room. So then my friend said to me, he's also an American. He said to me, uh, I want to do one more thing for them. I want to fill up their gas tank. Okay, go good, good. fill up the gas tank, but tell them, you tell them, you're going to fill up the gas tank. So, I, I am going to fill up your gas <laughs> No, no, you've done enough. Sorry, you don't have a choice. You come. So, so we went to the gas station. My, now listen, when you fill up gas here, what's it, $40, $50? When we fill up gas, it's $100, okay? You have cheap gas, don't complain. We're paying $5 to $7 a gallon over there. Okay, never complain again, all right? I filled up a, a large van one time it cost two hundred dollars like I, this is i never imagined anyway so so they filled up my friend filled up the guest thing Now he went inside to pay and then I was waiting at the vehicle with the with the husband and his wife was in the van now we did not talk with her much over this time period because she was just so exhausted and she didn't know us we were strangers so we interacted with the husband but that was about My friend filling up that gas tank was about all the kindness she could take. She had enough kindness. She actually got out of that van, and she walked around that van. My friend's inside, so she greeted me, and she came up to me and gave me the biggest hug and would not let go, Uh, and she's sobbing in my arms. You know, it's kindness. Just allow God to show kindness through you, and He'll do the rest. It's powerful. Jesus was kind. When you read about Jesus, He was kind to people, and it's a powerful tool. That The, the mom who had the boy that was traumatized, she wanted, to, she wanted to say thank you to the church that took care of her. So they had a Thanksgiving service over there. So she wrote this to the church, and it was dis- at the Romanian church. It was displayed for the church, because she didn't speak Romanian, she didn't speak English, Google Translate, but it was displayed for the church to read. And this is what she said. They say that kindness does not leave scars, so it is not remembered. But I do not agree with the second one. Because we will always remember the kindness of all of you. Everyone's kindness prevented our wounds from becoming scars. I am eternally grateful to God and everyone for your kindness and support you all spread your wings over us. When they're ready to go home, I'll have the privilege of taking this family back to their father and husband. And it's an amazing moment to see Ukrainian families reunited. Children wives that didn't know if they would ever see their husband, father alive again, or if they'd even have a country. It's an amazing moment to see them. This, uh, I leave tomorrow. Uh, S- Saturday, I will be, I'll take a few days to recover from jet lag, but I get the van from my partner and Saturday, I have a family of 10 that I'll be taken back to Ukraine the the van only seats nine and plus me that's room for eight so I, I I wrote to the girl that's arranging it I said well I only have room for eight said, oh, don't worry they'll sit on each other's laps it's okay so <laughs> a family of 10 so it'll be a three-day journey they live actually near the border of Russia um, I said to them Are you sure you they want to go home yeah they want to go okay um, so Pray for safety for us, For it's, a, it's, a, it's an awesome thing to have that husband and father put their family in your care, to bring them all that distance back to them, so pray for safety on the roads. We, we now have 55 families that have asked us for assistance to bring them home to Ukraine this spring and summer. My brother said to me yesterday, he says, how are you gonna take 55 families home? I said, well, one at a time, or two at a time. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but we'll start with this family of 10, we'll come back, we'll get more, and we'll go back, and we'll keep going back, and, and that's what we'll do. It's not a big deal, it's just I'm driving a van. My, we're, that's what we're doing now. We, we've, a lot of the uh, Ukrainians have been helped greatly in Romania, and a lot of them are now going home because Russia has been pushed East and a lot of them want to go home. So we think this is the way we could be most relevant now is to be able to, it's very difficult for a mom. Uh, I I got a call from my mom one day. She said, she said, could you please take me home? She she said, "I, I have a, people are saying I could take buses and I can walk across the border and I can get a taxi and I can get a train. And she said, but I have a lot of luggage and I have a four year old difficult son. Could you please take me home? I said, yes. Yes, we always answer yes. There's no, no, we don't say no. She needs to hear yes. And then we we like, okay, how are we gonna do this? We figure it out after, but she needs to hear yes. So this is the way we feel that we could help them, be kind to them, show God's love to them, is by putting them in vans and driving days and delivering them to their homes and going back and do it again. It's not difficult, it's just what's needed. Our, I'll close with this. Our guiding principle was simple for the whole year. If we wanted to know what we should do for the families that were before us, the people that were were before us, we asked ourselves one question. If that were my mom, or if that was my wife, or if that was my daughter, or if that was my children, what would I want someone to do for them? And then we need to do the same. Lord, I thank you for your kindness, because as you said in that verse to us to not forget that we once were in the same condition in Egypt. We once were lost and we are found. We once were in need and you helped us. And we pray that with the compassion that we've received from you, that you will help us to give it to others, amen.